What's up, guys? It's David Hess from the Rising Above podcast. Have you ever thought or dreamed about starting a podcast? Well, look no further. Anchor has all the tools necessary to record a podcast from your computer or phone. You heard that right. They make it so simple. When you host your podcast on Anchor, they will distribute your podcast on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Honestly, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place, which is why I host on Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rise and Above podcast, a platform for you to share your story. Oftentimes, we all have something that happens to us in life and we have no way of sharing. Many people want an outlet, whether it's writing a book or going on a massive networking platform or starting an inspirational social media account. With the Rising Above platform, anyone with an inspiring, motivating, or interesting story can come on and share. It could be anything from the struggles of starting a business, the struggles of overcoming homelessness or mental illness. I've interviewed victims of rape, sexual assault, and abuse. There is no subject that is off limits. This platform offers a safe and fun way for you to share your story through a one-on-one experience. If you would like to share your story, the best way to reach out would be through social media. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook or through email. All the links will be provided in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Rising Above podcast. My name is David Hess, and today I have Mike Marriott. Did I say that right? Marriott, yep. Marriott. Uh, he is the owner of the Art Collective here in Lansing. No, not owner. Nope. Opportunity Arts. We have an auditorium at the uh, Art Collective. I am so sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> all right, it happens well. all the time. People get confused on, there's like, you know, I don't want to sound like the guys in Monty Python. Like, like, is this the Judean <laughs> People's Front? No, it's People's Front of Judea. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, so Opportunity Arts. Okay. Yep. Um, so, wow, that totally ruined my intro. Um, no you worries. Want, you want to tell me a little bit about yourself? Are you, <laughs> you from the Lansing area? I'm not. Where are so, you from? Um, from? I was born in Peoria, Illinois, originally. Okay. Um, went to college in Texas. Um, did some work in St. Louis. Where'd you go in Texas? West Texas A&M University. Okay. So if... Uh, What'd you study? Uh, originally, I went as a dance major. So I did Were tap you dancing. A dan- oh. I was a dance major. Yep. Wow. So did you grow up dancing? Yep. I was a hyper toddler. Did like, you ever get made fun of for that? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, no, no, no. So, yeah, my sexual orientation was always questioned. And yeah, of course, because it was, you But know, you probably got all the ladies. The 80s and 90s. Well, that was a thing. When I was 12 years old, I was, like, because if you're in a guy, if you're in a, a guy in dance, like, they put you in the, like, because there's not a lot of guys, so they try <laughs> to foster that, right? So I was, like, 12 years old, and I was in a room with, like, 23, 14, 15-year-old girls, and I was like, yeah, no, this is, I'm a genius. Okay, so... <laughs> Everybody's like, ooh, and they'd make funny, and I'd be like, laugh it up. And then I had a couple <laughs> of friends that I actually took to one of my dance recitals, like like 10 guys from my school, and I was like, just come check it out. And then they saw me with all these different girls who were a couple years older, and they were like, what? And then they never, they just stopped making fun of me after that. Funny how that worked <laughs> out. They were like, oh. And then one, one they were like, we're, we're good. what are you guys doing tonight? Where are you going? You know, like suddenly <laughs> they wanted to be, like, invited to the stuff. That's hilarious. Like, hmm. So what made you want to do dance? I mean, it wasn't anything. I mean, I was four. My mom made that decision. So, oh, she, she made you. She was like, she's just like, well, it, she put me in dance, and I guess, like, that was around the same time. I'm going to totally age myself. That was around the same time that, like, Thriller <laughs> came out and everything. Oh, okay. And so, like, I just would watch that over and over, and I guess I was trying to do, like, the, you know, the little <laughs> zombie <laughs> shuffle thing that they were doing in there. And my mom's like, you know what? He's hyper. 
let's put him in dance, which then I was kind of like, you, you gave me tap shoes. Like, why would you give a hyper kid something? <laughs> uh, I can make more noise. <laughs> so, um, and that was the thing. I did tap. I didn't do like any other originally. I did tap. <clears throat> and then I started doing jazz because about yeah. eight or nine, they're like, oh, I didn't do jazz. And then I, w- I, like, I wasn't doing ballet because I knew <laughs> what was going to happen with that. And then, then I got in high school and they're like, and I really didn't too, like in high school and grade school, I didn't really care about my grades because I was like dancing and I played sports. My dad's a football coach. And like, so I was doing all that. And then it was in college, they were like, I met Joe Rowan at a dance convention and she runs the uh, dance program at Oklahoma City University. And she was like, you know, dan- you can major in dance in college. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> and then in, they were like, oh, you're a guy? Here's scholarship money. Wow. You know, like, and then it was, oh, oh, this is my, because I wasn't getting into college on my grades. Right. That wasn't happening. Right. Um, and so it was, now it was like a ticket to go to college. And it was like, okay, well, this, all right, let me. So then, it, but in that aspect, then it was, I needed to learn ballet. Because they're like, we need you to partner the girls. And I was like, okay. So I'm like kicking and screaming in ballet class. You know, like <laughs> I'm trying to be all like, <laughs> you know, because um, it was, again, it was the, you know, mid to late 90s. And, uh, you know, there was there at the time, it was just kind of like, you know, oh, you're doing ballet, you're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to college. Like, right. you know. Right. And so, uh, it, I mean, and then that's that was the reason I was able to go to college was on a dance scholarship. That's awesome. So did you follow that at all after college? I, so what happened was, what's funny is, is so growing up, um, I did a lot of dance competitions. And again, this was back, so we're talking 80s and 90s. This is back when, like, you would lose. You know, like, mm-hmm. when, like, that's back when it wasn't, it wasn't like everybody gets a participation. Was, right. <laughs> like, those weren't a thing. Like, um, you know, and so it was one of those things where it was like, you would go and you would compete, and it was just like sports where it was like there were winners and losers. It was first, mm-hmm. second, third, gold, silver, bronze. That's it. Now if you wow. go to these competitions, they're like elite gold, ultimate platinum. And I'm like, they're going to make carbonite. It's going to be <laughs> – that's the next gen- – it's like – and this thing that Hans Flula was frozen in. You know, like that will be the next award. But um, I went to college, and I loved competing. I loved playing sports. Like I said, my dad was a football coach. I played football and stuff in high school. And like – so getting into college, there was still the performing – like it fed the performing like part that I loved, mm-hmm. but there was outside of auditioning for a part, and then once that audition was over, there was no more competing. Mm. And I was like, I miss competing. I really miss competing because I'm just super competitive. Like if we went out and we like I saw the basketball, like we're playing, <laughs> like we're playing and taking it seriously. Um, but th- I got into college and there wasn't that aspect to compete. But then I kind of discovered arts administration and arts promotion. And it was, did you sell out the show? Did you get the grant? Did your artist get booked over another artist for a gig? And suddenly there were all those competitive measurables again. Right. And I went, oh, that's how I feed both. And so then I went into arts administration, and that's what I've been doing now for the last two decades. So, so then how did you end up in New York City? So um, let's see. I graduated, went home. I was teaching dance in St. Louis. Okay. Um, because that was kind of the next step was like, um, you know, teaching, which is basically like to put it in like, so if people are listening that don't like know about the arts. So teaching dance was kind of like coaching sports. Right. And then arts administration is basically like the assistant general manager or head of scouting or whatever it was. Right. <coughs> so um, 
I was in St. Louis and I was teaching dance and I had gotten my undergrad and my master's from Texas and uh, they had actually let me do some recruiting and stuff there at the school and uh, anyway I was teaching dance or whatnot and there was this one competition legacy dance championships and um, I had been sending out my resume to kind of judge at different competitions and this guy was like do you want to just come on and be our office manager and whatnot and I'm like you would stick it to New York. I'm going to New York because that's the goal, right? Like right. you're in performing arts. Like yeah. you, if you wanted to be, it's like I think it's a John Lennon quote, quote that was, if you wanted to, l- if you lived in the time of the Romans, you would have wanted to be in Rome. Right. So that was the concept. Was okay. Well, I'm going to go to New York. Mm-hmm. And then I got that job and I went to New York and um, that's where I met my wife. Um, she is a born and raised Long Islander. <laughs> <laughs> um, Does she still talk that way? Oh yeah. So and it's <laughs> so funny too because like. She, like, her accent, everybody hears it here, you know, because right. coffee, dog, water, <laughs> draw. Um, but our friend uh, Stefano Andriotti, who's this, like, phenomenal opera singer who just moved here from New York, too, his mom came and visited. And she, like, it, her, her, her Long Island accent was fresh. No. <laughs> like, it was just, oh, my God, thank you so much for everything you do for me. Like, it was just, the like, that <laughs> voice, you know? Um, but my wife's funny because if, you know, like we, we checked out some wineries and stuff over the weekend when we went up north, um, you know, you put a little bit of wine in her, that accent gets <laughs> a little bit thicker. And, uh, you know, then it's the, tw- what are you talking about? You know, and then it comes out. So there's times that I, a lot of my friends will just sit and wait and they'll like be around, like they'll, they'll be like, yeah, go, go. You know, I'm like, <laughs> so. That's hilarious. So I totally forgot what question you asked that led to that. I, I asked how you got to New York City and hmm. you answered it. So you were working as an office uh, manager at a dance competition. At a dance, yep. okay. And then um, met my wife, left uh, that job, and then I was gonna do like eh, I'm just gonna do like the regular everyday job thing, nine to five, whatnot. And I just it, <laughs> it was like in The Godfather, where it was like every time I'm out, he pulls me back <laughs> in. And uh, did another thing where I just sent my resume out. You do a lot of references. I reference all the time. You like movies, don't you? I'm a pop culture freak. Yeah. So, yeah, I love movies, sports, pro wrestling, tons of references and stuff. Because I think, like, that's – it's it's weird, though, because it's helped me. Because, like, a lot of people that don't understand art or, like, are kind of – like, I can say something and they're like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like, <laughs> what do you mean you own a art promotion and business company? It's like it's like being the GM of a sports team. Oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> all right. I'll sign players. Okay, that makes sense. And it's like they suddenly – and it's I right. think that might be – because my dad's a football coach. Okay. And I got to give him a lot of my, – my dad is my pal. Like, if you meet my dad, he's basically 75-year-old me, and he can get away with everything because he's retired. <laughs> um, but he was never – like, you would think, oh, football coach, he's going to shoot down. Mm-hmm. You're not dancing. Muscle. Right. He Macho. Yeah, Macho. no. He was like, do it. Just do it. And so it was like he was so supportive, but there was a lot of things that he didn't understand. Mm. And so it was me explaining to him, like – Hey, this is so. This is, and then he would be. Oh, I get it. Okay, and then it's funny too because, so when I was in college and I went for my graduate, like I went right into graduate school, and because it was again, they were like, "Do you want to be a graduate assistant? It'll pay for your graduate school, and then you wow. get your master's degree." And it's like, so they kept they kept having this art opportunities to do this stuff, and I was like, okay, because I wasn't ready. You know, I'm still having fun, mm-hmm. and they're like, "We'll send you all over the country." Like you, and so what basically happened was. I jumped ahead a little bit. Sorry. Um, I have ADHD. Surprise. <laughs> um, we th- so basically, the job that I got as a graduate assistant was to be the head of scouting, marketing, and recruiting for the dance program because it, it stemmed from a conversation I was having with my dad because he goes, 
you know, when college football teams want high school athletes, they send a coach or they send a scouting person. You know, it's like they send mm-hmm. somebody. Like Alabama's like, I want that. They send somebody to that school. Right, to recruit them. And they recruit them. Yep. And th- this had not been happening in dance. And coming from the dance competition realm, my thought was, well, if, okay, we're in Amarillo. Send me to a convention or a competition in Dallas. And instead of having to go to one individual school, I'm going to have 12 dance studios there at once. And we're gonna have, and that was my dad going. Why don't you guys do that? Like that was his a conversation. Why don't da- why doesn't dance do that? Great idea. And then the university went, yeah, let's do it. And wow. we took the dance program from six dance majors to thirty dance majors in two years, and um, generated enough funding and support to send the entire program to Italy and Russia and back to back summers. Holy cow! So it and was it's still something they do to this day. They um they cut back a little bit on it. They're okay. still um. I think now you see more integration with like Dance Magazine and things like that. Okay. With the there's they have the college guide and stuff now. I still don't see where it's on like on site. Okay. You know what I mean? Like if right. I go, if I go to a competition, even when I was working at Legacy, there wasn't the on site recruit. Which to me, I'm like you're blowing an opportunity because yeah, if you're Oklahoma City University or the University of Arizona, you know one of these awesome dance programs, and you have 500 students auditioning. No, you don't need to do that. Right. But if you're I mean, you could literally be Bradley University or something like that and be like, we want to build our program, mm-hmm. you know, or even something local like Oakland, who has a phenomenal dance program here. Um, Grand Valley has a great dance program. But you look at all these other universities, if they wanted to build a program, that's how you do it, like quickly. And so um, I think, but that's something that we'd have never stumbled on had I not been Did the son of a football coach. Wow. You know, so. That's it's awesome. It's kind of cool how the two worlds collided and then you were able to implement, you know, what they were doing into what you were doing. Oh, yeah. No, I steal all the time (laughs) from sports and wrestling. I just look and I'll go, oh, okay. And then I'll be like, what's that look like here? Right. You know? And so. Yeah, that's pretty cool because I think the arts community is pretty undeveloped Mm -hmm. and the the sports community is fully developed. I mean, they they seem to have everything down to a science as far as how they do things. Yep. And it's, it's funny, too, because and I think that's the thing, too, where like with arts. Um, I don't think like to me, the arts are where sports was in like the 1960s because mm. like people don't think about the fact that half the players on the Green Bay Packers that won the first Super Bowl had offseason jobs because playing for the right. Packers did not right. pay the, for everything. Yeah. And nowadays we're like, what? Like if you <laughs> went back in time and you just showed them Patrick Mahomes's contract, like they'd be like, you're this isn't real. Yeah. You're what, what do you mean? Five hundred and forty million dollars. Like that's. <laughs> Right. That's right. not a realistic number. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, for me, something that I wanted to see in the arts is, okay, we're here. We're, we're back here, but, like, we can grow this, you know? Um, and we can grow it. It's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm very aware uh, a friend of mine had a nice quote, and it's, uh, sometimes you plant trees that you don't necessarily get to enjoy the shade from. Um, and I that's think that's kind of what's where that's going is like okay well we're gonna build stuff now so that you know people like you know um i know you've had autumn on the show Mm -hmm. before and uh nat spins people like that like Mm -hmm. nat's kids they may live in that world right where it's yeah with sponsorships and everything else you have these artists that are making six figures right you know and i think that's the start um but yeah that's you know because we what we're super bowl like mid 50s or something now yeah like they went from Bart Starr had $100,000, and that was, like, the monstrous deal at the time. And now, 
you have Mahomes, who's 540 million over 10. That's yeah. insane. <laughs> I'm gonna make a really. Gra- I'm already a middle-aged guy, but I'm gonna make a mi- great like middle-aged like pointless. You're middle-aged. 41. So. You don't seem like you are. I try. <laughs> I, I try to. I try to like. Uh, yeah, I'm 41, but I just. I don't know. I'm. I'm. A, I'm in an industry where like. I get to do what I did when I was four. <laughs> You know, Um, I hang out with, you know, like I hang out and I work with all these young artists. Like you get around somebody like a Mila Lynn or a Sarah Sanders or Autumn or somebody like that. And you're just Mm -hmm. their energy. You just feed off. Right. You know. Um, And so for me, I I think that keeps me younger. Yeah. Um, My wife and I don't have kids. So like if we want to run off up north and, you know, or go do the breweries or something like that. Like we still have that where it's not. I guess we don't have as much of the responsibility as the traditional, you know, people with kids and everything else. Right, and I think that right. might be what keeps me a little bit younger uh, <laughs> in the energy, not in the face <laughs> and everything else. So. so what brought you to Lansing? Funny story. Coming from New York City. D- you ready for this? Because it's a, it's, a it's a weird path. I'm ready. The Detroit Lions. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. So my grandfather was born in Owasso. He brainwashed my dad into rooting for the Lions. My dad brainwashed me into rooting for the Lions. So he waited. Like, he didn't talk about fo- – my dad, football coach, didn't talk about football throughout the 80s, right, because the Bears were good. And then <laughs> in 1991, the Lions go to the NFC Championship, and my dad went, look, Barry Sanders. And I was like, wow. And so, like, I just – that was it. I'm like, okay, I'm a Lions fan now. And my dad is a – he like, I guess he was just raised to be all Detroit. Oh. So Pistons were my first, like, team that I – Why do you think that was? was? I think my uh, my grandpa, I think my grandpa just like even though he's from Illinois. Well, my grandpa was born in Michigan, was born in Wausau. Uh, from oh, Michigan. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so he, so that he. It so was your family's originally from Michigan. Yes. Okay. Yep. Everybody asked okay. me, "Do you have family here?" And I'm like, "Yes," and they're all buried in the ground in Wausau. <laughs> but um, we actually Gosh. did we did an art event a couple weeks ago. Um, there's a cabin in Wausau, Michigan, hmm. uh, Comstock, Cab- Comstock cabin, and uh, I uh, think you hun- sent that to me. Yeah, 185 yeah. years ago this year. Wow. Um, my great 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 grandparents came to Michigan from England. Wow! Um, and stayed in that cabin. Wow! And then we did an event out there like two the month. That and is so cool. It was just kind of, but yeah. So for years, that's where the family was. And then uh, my grandpa wasn't the most stable human being on the planet. Um, he went all over the country and then ended up in Illinois. And my dad um, okay. was born in Peoria. They lived in Decatur for a little bit, but that was the sports was the sports. You know right. what I mean? Um, <clears throat> So it was Pistons, Lions, Red Wings. Pistons, Lions, Red Wings. And, uh, yeah, so being a Lion fan, you got to make a Thanksgiving Day game. <laughs> I'd never been to a Thanksgiving Day game. So uh, 2014 was the 75th anniversary of the Thanksgiving Day game, and I had told my wife, I was like, we got to go to that game. And uh, I asked my dad if he wanted to go, and he didn't want to travel and everything, and so I was like, I'm going. And my wife and I came out here, and we just fell in love with Michigan because oh. – what was weird was, so we get here, and it's funny because the guys that we met, we got invited to a tailgate at that game because I met these two guys that are Lions fans from here, from Detroit uh, at the NFL draft in oh, New wow. York. So I went to the NFL draft five years in a row because um, it was at Radio City, and they're like, you get there early enough, and it was like I was the token Lion fan because they were terrible. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> like, they, it was hilarious because I moved to New York in 08 when they lost every game. And the yeah. only way you could watch the Lions was go to the sports bar. And so, like, I'd walk in, and it was like I was Bigfoot or something. <laughs> like, oh, my God, it's a Lion fan. 
and then I'm like I'm like Highlander, like I'd see another lion. And <laughs> so um, anyway, it's, there's going to be a lot of sports conversation in this. But um, yeah, so I'd never been to a Thanksgiving Day game. We came to the game, we fell in love with it. We went to the tailgate, and uh, we finished our cans, and we're like, you know, is there a recycle bag or whatever? They're like, no, 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 go put it on the edge of the parking lot. And I look, and there's these cans lined up. I'm like, okay. So, like, as the morning is going on, all these cans are getting piled up or whatever. And uh, my wife's like, what, what are we? And they're like, oh, no. So the uh, people who are homeless or less fortunate, they come out, and then they collect the cans, and they can turn those in and get some money. And I was like, wow. And then they had, like, this whole Thanksgiving spread and whatnot. And then about 45 minutes before the game, they took that over, and then oh they wow. were actually, like, giving food to, like, the homeless. Oh, and wow. And it wasn't just this group. It was, like, a bunch of different people. It's and like the thing to do. Yeah. And my yeah. wife and I were like, what is this weird place? Because in New York, it's like. That's a homeless person. Everything. <laughs> right. And everyone's just like, like, even now, like people come up and say, excuse me, kind of, I just instinctively go, I don't carry cash. <laughs> like, it's just a New York. You're right. just going. Right. And like, we were like, wow. Like, that was just, okay. So that was cool. So then the next year comes around and it's like Thanksgiving again. And we're like, do you want to go back? <laughs> so then we came to the game next year, and then we're like, we still, we fell in love with Michigan. And, we're, and then we were like, it was my wife that goes, what about go, like moving there? And I go, well, hon, I work in the arts. And she goes, they don't have the arts in Michigan? And I was like, okay, no, that makes sense. And she's like, your hero's George M. Cohan. He, she's like, he's, the, and so George M. Cohan is called the man that owned Broadway. Mm-hmm. He literally, at one point in time, like at the beginning, it was, I want to say, like 19 teens, 1920s. He had either a play that he had written or he owned the theater in every every theater on Broadway. Wow. At one time. Disney has not been able to match that. Wow. Because Disney owns a lot of the Broadway theaters now, and they wow. have not been able to match that. So, Cohan, if you ever se- heard of the movie Yankee Ghoul Dandy, that's the yeah. story about his life. Um, and so, he was always my hero. And my wife made a good point. She said, when Cohan came to New York, the infrastructure wasn't there. She's mm. like, he built it. You really want to be your hero go somewhere and build an infrastructure and then it was like okay and i'm like maybe we should go visit michigan in the summer because we had only been to michigan in the winter right um (laughs) so we fell in love with michigan in the winter then then you should just move here (laughs) right right so uh yeah so we came back and we looked and we you know we started looking around and whatnot and uh, i discovered my family history about being in owasso and whatnot and then the thing that kind of jumped out about lansing because we were looking detroit detroit Mm -hmm. and detroit suburbs but the thing that jumped out about Lansing was it's geographically perfect mm-hmm. because you're an hour and 45 minutes from Detroit. You're an hour from Grand Rapids. You're an hour from Ann Arbor. You're an hour and a half, four, uh, hour, and a half hour and 45 minutes. I'm probably like showing how fast I drive. But <laughs> I'm not pulled over all the time. But um, like you could get everywhere. I mean, honestly, right. with the time change, you're in Chicago in three hours. Right. You can have lunch in Lansing and happy hour in Chicago. Easily. Um, and so that was kind of the, okay. Let's see what this is. And then we got here, and the idea was Lansing's going to be Grand Central Station, and we'll Mm. just work all over. And then it was, oh, there's, like, this crazy anomaly of talent here. And that's kind of what's grown over the last four years. So, Do you find that since you've been here that there's been a lot of um, untapped talent in our community as far as the arts? Yes. I think it's getting a lot more tapped now. Yeah. But I think we're also coming up on another, like, kind of moment of truth for Lansing in the arts. But I think, like... What do you mean? So kind of basically what's happening with the arts now is now everybody's kind of seeing, okay, there's these good artists. There's this, okay, so now how do we compensate this? And I think 
it's going from being an art scene and an art community to an art industry and having small businesses, you know, your, your leaps, your mm-hmm. Michigan business development companies, mm-hmm. all those starting to recognize that these artists are creative entrepreneurs. Right. Um, and, you know, fostering an industry and what that looks like in a midsize city because the industry has always existed, but right. the industry has yeah. existed in L.A., in New York, Chicago, you know, Chicago. Yeah. Um, but St. You lo- Louis, right? It's another big one. St. Louis is it, it's it's genre specific, like okay. with Seattle, like Seattle when with grunge music. When you say right. grunge, you right. it's Seattle. Um, Austin, Texas, is another place too. I like I kind of I look at Lansing as kind of like I always like like I said, it's a competitor in me. <laughs> so like when we went when we were at West Texas A&M we were this tiny little program but like I wanted to go recruit in Tucson like in the University of Arizona's backyard wow. like I want to I want to go there because you you're going to you know okay um the Michigan State fans from a couple remember a couple of years ago when uh Michigan State beat Duke and ended Zion's career and like his college career so like Michigan State basketball beats Duke and, and goes to the final four the game before that, Duke almost lost to South, to South Florida. And everybody's like, oh, dang, South Florida almost beat them. And I'm like, no, man, Ric Flair, to be the man, you got to beat the man. <laughs> I'm like, it's going to be – it would be cool to beat South Florida and go to the Final Four, but you get to beat Duke and go to the Final Four and end Zion Williamson's college career? That's what you want, right? And then yeah. Michigan State did it. And I was actually bartending at Buffalo Wild Wings at the time. And, like, that place was nuts. Like it was here, and like, and everybody was, and just go green, oh go, and like I'll never forget that. But it's like, man, it's I don't know, it's it's the whole concept of a piece of candy tastes a whole lot better if you just you know did a shot of vinegar, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, right. it's just a, it's just more fulfilling. And so for me, I was, that's just the competitor in me. So it was like when I was recruiting at West Texas A&M, hey, Arizona's the that's the gold standard. That's what we're going after. And so now I look at Lansing's art scene, and I'm like, you know what? Nashville, Boston, Austin, Texas, Denver. Those are your big state capitals. Mm-hmm. Atlanta. Right. That have these huge art scenes. They also crush us in population, but it's like per well, capita? But Lansing's growing. Lansing's growing and per capita, I like Atlanta has 5 million people. Yeah, you better have the art scene that's that big. <laughs> right. It's like New York. You have yeah. 9 million people. Yes, you should have that size art scene. Yeah. Lansing, we have 118,000 in the city and then 500,000 in the, in the MSA, which is Metropolitan wow. Statistical Area. So, like, if you look at that, like, what we have talent-wise for the size of our population, mm-hmm. I think is even greater than what they have. You right. know what I mean? Right. Because Austin has 9 million people or uh, 900,000 people. Um, Atlanta has five million. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not yeah. sure Nashville, but you have these other places. Right. Their population is bigger. Right. But for our population, I think that's the other thing too. That when I said it's that crossroad. Yep. We now have all this big talent coming up, and it's like, okay, how do we get everybody compensated properly? Right. So, what is your goal with with the art community as far as having everybody be con- compensated, con- not constipated? <laughs> That'll probably happen too. It depends. <laughs> What is what is your goal with the industry? So for me, I w- like. Uh, so are you meaning like for Opportunity Arts individually, or for Lansing, or for Lansing as a whole, for the artists uh, in our community, in the surrounding communities, and I guess in our state? Because I by by you bringing up our arts community here in Lansing, it's going to affect the whole state. Right. 
or everywhere. Well, and I think too that's the other thing now that like we had talked about when we originally came here. Well, you mm-hmm. can get everywhere else. Right. Like, you look at somebody like Mia Lynn. Her work. She did the Blackest King project at the beginning of the year. Oh, okay. That was yep. here, and now it's at Art Prize. So now she's going to Grand. She'll go to uh, Grand Rapids and do an event, and then Tori Gray comes up from Detroit, and then some of our artists go down there, and so now we're building these pipelines within. Right. Because there's a lot of artists that I've said to. I'm like, Lansing is growing, and we're developing this into what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, we all still have to eat and survive. Right. And so, which you know, speaking of which. People hear, you know, like your title, mm-hmm. they, they probably assume that this is all you do. They probably think that you, you make a lot of money from this and you don't. You no. actually work other jobs just yep. to make this happen. Yep. That's the artist in me. Like, and I think that's the other thing, too, that happens in the arts. Like, uh, that's why the shirt, if other professions were paid like artists. <laughs> it's, you know, this one is like, I, I didn't get paid for this surgery, per se, <laughs> but the patient assured me it'd be great exposure, you know? <laughs> um, any other industry, like, it's disrespectful almost yeah. like if you if you approached a plum- plumber and said listen my toilet is broken um you know um uh, w- you know c- like 25 bucks like what do you think you know like <laughs> or if the or if you know um a plumber came in and said and i think it also goes back on the artist too because if a plumber came in and said you know what do you think me fixing your bathroom is worth mm-hmm. like that's right. no it's like hi would you like to go to the bathroom inside and not have <laughs> to use an outhouse or right. here, here's what it costs you right I think um, the difference between that is um, art isn't really n- uh, like a necessity. Like, I mean, you have it in your house. It's more of a luxury, right, mm-hmm. to ha- to be able to hang s- a picture up in your house or to buy a piece of art. Right. It is a luxury to a sense. Yeah. But, like, again, we go, you know, like, everybody has some sort. You can't get through your day without experiencing art. Yeah, absolutely. N- like, yeah. you don't meet anybody today who doesn't own a television. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's And so there's that kind of. Music. Music. Art. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, too, like, that's the other thing, too, now. We're starting to talk about stuff locally, like our local hospitality, our local businesses, our local retail, our local restaurants. We should also focus on our local talent. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you have people that are just as talented here as the people that are in L.A. and New York, you know, right. all those different places. But they're right down the street. Right. Um, I always And they lo- shouldn't have to go to New York or Chicago right. or L.A. to try to make it. Right. To try to, you know, become become something in the art. art. I can't talk today. It's been a problem lately. We're good. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. There you go. Um, I should have had beer. You like beer. so I'm a b- Oh, yeah. Um, you shouldn't have to go to these different big cities and completely change your lifestyle in order mm-hmm. to try to make it in the arts community. Right. And I think that's like, I don't know, for me, that's, I guess, the goal. We had said the original question was, what's the goal for Lansing? I think to be the creative's capital. I, I'm I'm optimistic and I'm somebody who like I like to be the new thing, you know what I mean? And then gate like and so for Lansing, like, you know, everybody always talks about like, oh well let's study best practices and this and that and this. I'm like, man, screw that. We're creative. Let's make our own damn best practices. Right. Like, what does a mid sized city with a thriving art scene community industry look like? Mm-hmm. Let's build the blueprint. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And if everybody else picks up on it, cool. And if everybody else doesn't, cool. Yep. But let's let's not be afraid to be like, yeah, we're we're awesome. And I think that's another thing too with a lot of artists, like um having that confidence mm-hmm. and building that confidence of, you know, like you can do something that other people can't do. Right. And yeah. I think, you know, like again, you look at pro athletes, what they make, 
Um, and of course, it's the same type thing. You have people who are like, I could do that. It's like, no, you couldn't. Like, I'd love to play. I'd love to play in the NFL. I would love to be a pro wrestler. Yep. Brock Lesnar would kill me in 30 <laughs> microseconds. Like, it would just, like, I would just, I would walk into the ring and die. That's what would happen. <laughs> and they're like, I could do that. No. There's intense years of training mm-hmm. and everything else that goes into that. Whether uh, whether you're doing art as, like, therapy for yourself or whether you're doing it to be like, look at how badass I am. You know what I mean? There's yeah. still that putting in the work. And I think sometimes people go, oh, well, I painted this pretty picture. I'm an artist. <laughs> and it's like, you're a hobbyist. <laughs> you're, I mean, At let, best. <laughs> you know, like, right. And it's, it's disrespectful, right. in my opinion. And that's just, I can only speak for myself. It's disrespectful to me when someone is like, oh, I, I, you know, wrote some lyrics down on a piece of paper. Right. I'm a poet. I'm th- it's like, you haven't put in the work. Right. Like, to be, to be that level that people are going to right. take their hard-earned money and spend it on seeing you do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's, it's happened in Michigan before. Because you look at Motown. Right. Motown is, I mean, you know, and I think everybody hears Motown and we automatically have this ah thing about (laughs) Motown, right? Motown, I mean, Barry Gordy's still alive. You know what I mean? He's like in his 90s, but like, (laughs) like that wasn't, that was 60 years ago. And that's one one of our artists that we work with, Tori Gray. Um, I said, Marvin Gaye released his first album in 1961. Tori Gray released his first album in 2021. Like it's, there's, there's a synergy there because Marvin Gaye. Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, The Temptations, Smokey Robinson, The Miracles. They were all kids from the neighborhood until they were Motown. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. And now it's I, I have a shirt from Motown, Mo, the Motown Museum that says, The Little House That Rocked the World. And I think, why, why I've not never do been it again? There. Oh, you, I need to go. I've never been. It's, I went down there, and it was just, it was, when we were visiting, it was the summer trip. Like, I want to go to Motown. Okay. And, I, and also, I wanted to rub up my dad's face a little. Go to Motown. He was like, oh, and he's like, butter. I was like, here's the shirt. He's like, oh, okay, good. You know, um, but I've I've called the Opportunity Arts affiliate roster the most talented artistic roster in Michigan since Motown. And wow. some people are like, how you know, <gasps> you know, clutching the pearl, and and it's like, go look at the roster. Go right. look at the roster, and 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 because again, sixty years from now, mm-hmm. you're gonna go. Yeah, they were just then, and then they became Lila Lynn and Tori Gray and Sarah right. Kendrick and all of them. You know what I mean? And right. like that's gonna be, they were all kids from the neighborhood. One thing I find in our local community, as far as like artists, is they're all supportive of generally mm-hmm. of each other's work. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless, like if you know, um, you know, like I had Autumn in here, like she doesn't seem like she's really competitive with anybody. Is like you know, it's, it's everybody's supportive of everybody. I've seen her like share other people's artwork on Facebook mm-hmm. and. Whatnot. I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's so. The analogy I've used. Uh, I'm gonna go back to my analogies. Um, <laughs> it's not so much a I win, you lose. Right. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people, you know, especially somebody like Autumn, like she understands, like knocking somebody down doesn't make you any taller. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, but I also think there is a little bit of um, almost like a home run derby, where it's like, all right, you know, the first charge goes bang, hits a home run. Oh, hit a home run. Hey, good job! High five. The yep. next batter's like, okay, well, you hit a home run. I'm going, I'm going second right. deck on this. Like, right. Boom, right? <laughs> so yeah, all right. High five, high five. Now the third batter's up and's like, I gotta go out of the park, you know. And yep. so there's that, 
But that's how you keep each other accountable, and that's how you, you better everything. I yep. mean, one person does good, and the next person does even better, yep. then the next person does even better, and it, it just keeps going. And they inspire each other. Right. Or they'll see, like, you know, Mila Lynn last year did the um, Inktober Project, which is she's doing it again this year on a grander scale than she oh. did last year. But then Sarah Sanders, who's friends with her and in the Aces with her, saw that. And then in May, she did the Embodiment Project, which was a body painted day in, in May. Inktober is a drawing a day in October. And so it was like, oh. that's how she went, okay, what can I do? That's and then, like you said, Autumn sees that, and then Autumn's like, okay, well, what's the thing I'm going to do? Right. You know? And, uh, yeah, it's this, and I like that, um, that there is this little bit, it's it's friendly competition. Yeah. It's, uh, in wrestling, it would be a face versus face match. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a lot of it's a lot it's a lot of everybody like I think also they understand too like we're trying to build this into something bigger. Right. So now um what is your goal with uh the local art community here in Lansing? As far or, as As far as like the um well, well, I'm sorry, what was it called again? Opportunity Arts. Opportunity Arts. Yep, big megaphone. What? That's <laughs> us. So What is your goal with that? Um so with first I'm sorry. What what is it? Okay. Because I'm sure a lot of people don't know what it is. Yes. Yeah, so we'll uh, start from there. Okay. So I started a company in New York called Startup and Dance because okay. I went into the administration. What happened was I'd worked for all these, you know, Gelsey Kirkland Ballet, Legacy Dance Championship. I'd worked for all these other companies. And the one thing I had noticed, I'd worked for a couple of nonprofits, like nonprofit arts organizations. Okay. And while they're, they do a ton of good, so I just want to explain that out of the gate, what happens is you have – the artistic director, and then above the artistic director is an executive director. And above the executive director is a board of directors. So the creative who's created it is like third on the totem pole. And then what happens is, is you have these companies and they'll have a full-time executive director, a full-time development director, a full-time marketing director, a full-time donations person, oh, liaison, right? And then they'll be like, let's stipend the artists. And I'm like, but without the artists, there's none of the other people right. are relevant. Literally, the whole rest of the organizations are relevant. <laughs> and so our thought was, and we originally did it in dance in New York, was startup and dance was, okay, well, we're going to provide these business services and these promotional services as the artists need them. Mm. And then the creative stays at the top, and we they hire us to do that work. So whether right. it's a press push or social media management or budget development or, you know, put producing an event, doing something like that. The artist pays us as they do that. Mm. Um, it gives them full control. Because right. if we don't do a good job, guess what? They can fire us. Right. Right? Except there probably isn't anything like it. <laughs> that's Well, and that's the thing. Even in New York, it was like it's very, it's a very new concept. of. But right. I think a lot of these arts administrators are going, why am I working for these huge companies for $30,000 a year Right. when I can just start my own thing? Yep. And I think there's there's plenty of artists and creative entrepreneurs now that are that obviously even over like the last five years that I've seen where, yeah, no, I should be at the top of my own mm -hmm. um, because I've seen stuff, too, where like when I was in Amarillo, Texas, they had Lone Star Ballet and the guy that founded Lone Star Ballet. I was not a fan. I didn't really like him, but he he founded it. He started it. He came up with the idea. Right. And 40 years after he founded it, started it and came up with the idea, the board of directors fired him. And it was gone. The thing he created, the thing he had built up, mm -hmm. and obviously people would help him, but that was his baby. Right. The board of directors took it from him. That's and it's crazy. like, and I, I, that was one of the things I, I was like, I'll never have a nonprofit aspect 
Um, I, I love fiscal sponsorship, and it's a very boring, long conversation, but basically <laughs> uh, fiscal sponsorship allows individual artists to okay. accept donations like they're a 501c3. So oh, okay. if you donated to a fiscally sponsored project, you could write it off on your taxes the exact same way you could if you oh, donated cool. to a nonprofit. Okay. So we actually work with Pentacle in New York City. Um, I met them when I was working there. And uh, uh, any Opportunity Arts affiliate, anybody that becomes an affiliate of Opportunity Arts, can uh, opt in to fiscal sponsorship. Okay. So like you look at a company that we've worked with uh, since, gosh, probably the beginning of their inception, the Artist Umbrella. Um, they have a fiscally sponsored aspect because they're part of that. And so a Did lot of people you have anything, think... Do you have anything uh, to do with the creating of that? Uh, Brandon Navin created the whole... He's the founder and uh, executive director and created all that. But okay. then basically we started working with them. And by we, I mean me and my wife. It's mom, <laughs> pop, and a hamster wheel. But um, <laughs> we started working with them about their third show. Okay. And just basically... Awesome. Um, I joke, um, I have like a hand of the king relationship with <laughs> some of those <laughs> if you get Game of Thrones. Um, so like I'm in Still haven't seen that. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, me and my pop culture references. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, this is going to be, it, it, for anybody watching, that they've turned it off if they don't like pop culture. <laughs> they're already gone. Um, or sports. Right, yeah. <laughs> what? I thought it was going to be arts. Why is he talking about wrestling? <laughs> um, I don't know why I gave him that accent either. But um, anyway, uh <laughs> We're just having fun. Um, yep. Nope. Train uh, of thought's gone. Yeah, I don't. Uh, you were talking about uh, working with the artist umbrella. That's right. The third show is um, when you and your wife got involved. Yeah, and that's kind of when I started talking to them, and we, you know, we've been doing like business consulting and stuff like that. Okay. And, you know, different things like, you know, get different ideas to do some stuff, or you know, be aware of this. Right. Or get to know this company. So you know, facilitating them meeting different organizations throughout the city that now they work with all the time. Um, we've done the same thing with Happen Dance. And again, okay. that's the, the luxury of it is it's as they need it. Right. So like, and now that they're building into the, like that they've built up to what they are, they have more volunteers, they have more stuff like that. And so okay. they can kind of be a little more flexible. And so I almost feel like we, I don't know, we have like a Merlin type relationship <laughs> with, some of the artists we work with, like I, you know, you look at Autumn now, like, you know, I keep going back, I keep going back to Autumn because she's a Lansing graduate who went to MSU and like I interviewed her, right? Yeah. You yeah. interviewed her. Well, and I also think too, but like that's that's the that's what we want, right? right. We want these artists to grow yeah. up here, create here, mm -hmm. go to a local school, get their degree in what it is, and then stay here and open their business and right. build this industry here. Right. Um. So I reference her a lot because I, it's again, it's a blueprint to mm -hmm. me, like what would this city look like with 100 Autumn Hopkinses? Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> they would define what everything is. Right. So, um, but that's kind of like just working with her, working with different artists and different organizations. Like I said, as they need it, it gives them more flexibility. Um, and then we're there for, you know, like when the world shuts down, in March of 2020, mm -hmm. and you had a bunch of visual artists that couldn't be in galleries anymore, right? right? Like there how weren't. Did you, how events. did you guys manage that? Well, I told everybody, I go, you're all Bob Ross now. <laughs> I said, if you can't captivate on a screen, like you're going to be in trouble, right? And it's it wasn't like good news, but you know, it was like to me, it's I'm a big fan of history too, and I study okay. the history of the entertainment industry. To me, the pandemic for visual arts was as impactful as when the movies went from silent movies to talking pictures. Because you suddenly had these actors who could go, 
Right. But then they had, and then their voice would sound like this, <laughs> and this is how they talked, <laughs> and this is what, and they were like, they had no jobs anymore. Right. Um, and there was this whole, like, there was a whole big thing at MGM where they were like, we have to fire half our talent because right. they can't speak. <laughs> and it's, it's this singing in the rain is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's literally the line in there where they're like, Lockwood and Lamont, they talk. And then you just hear her go, well, of course we talk, doesn't everybody? <laughs> and then you just see just the terror on their face, like, because that's not how anybody envisioned that. Right. So now you look 2020, 2021. You have all these visual artists, and you look at somebody who now can – you put a microphone in front of them, and they're like, this is what my piece is about. Right. And this is what this is. And this is how I do this, and you're just totally captivated. Right. Or if it's somebody else who's like, pink, <laughs> and then they're here, and you're like, okay, I'm turning it off. That'd be me. Right. Uh, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be me, too. So <laughs> I know I how to get audience to people, but uh, don't <laughs> have me paint a picture. That's I, think, uh, the, I think the pandemic made a lot of people, especially creative people, become more creative as far as how they were going to adapt to their, their new environment, the, the way things were going. Um, how did that play out for the long term in the arts industry here locally? I think it was really good because I think other uh, another thing too about creatives and when you have somebody who has to work for exposure and do all that mm. stuff and constantly have roadblocks put up when they see that road like the pandemic was another roadblock. Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of just that like adaption to okay, what's this going to look like now? And I think the other thing the pandemic did was it made everybody else realize like we talked earlier about necessity versus luxury mm -hmm. it made everybody realize how much we crave events and entertainment right. and being yep. around each other and having those physical things that you can hold on to mm -hmm. um you know like we did you know that everybody did virtual shows at the beginning and whatnot and it was good but then like what was it i was talking uh me and brandon i was doing an interview for artist umbrella and i was on, with, on there with brandon david and I, s I said back in march i said an artistic tsunami is coming i said when everything opens back up mm -hmm. get ready I said, because there's going to be art everywhere, and you've yeah. had all these artists who've had 14 months to create because right. they couldn't perform or show, so they've been yeah. writing songs, and they've been painting pictures. And then, and then what happened is it opened back up, and you had, like, Blockade in July, and, you, like, right. after Glow Market. There's now three different open mics on Thursday nights in Lansing. Wow. They're all, and they're all legit good. Like Where at? Um, Conscious Streamers. Um, I have never heard of that. Conscious Streamers is Keontae Saxon. He's phenomenal. Um, they're at One Love Global. Artist Umbrella is at Micah. Um, there's a once a month open mic in Mason now. Okay. Um, Morgan Madden's had a lot to do with that. Rita Vogel, who's a city council uh, member down there. Um, those are happening. Like We do a Monday night show at the Auditorium, which is where the collective is, which is the confusion. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we do a Monday night show there, and so there's like all these different arts events that are happening. What was it? Uh, I want to say like two weeks ago or something, there was like three different like major events. There was a Blues Fest, there was a Renaissance Festival, and there was some other festival. And the one common denominator between all of them is they all had art. And so I think now you're starting to see it, but now there's just now there's the saturation and explosion. Right. And I think now you're seeing a little bit too with like the vending events where people are kind of cutting back a little bit, because mm -hmm. you know it's the whole idea like, you know, when prohibition ended in the end of the 1920s, like I'm sure there were people that were just trashed for like two months, <laughs> you know, because they were just like I haven't gotten a drink for uh, ten years, and they're just, you know, and I think that's kind of what happened too is people were just like buying. Right. Like. You know, yeah. I, I worked with a couple of artists, and they were like, I'm having the biggest wow. 
you know, paydays of my career. Wow. And it's like, so now it's like, great. Now we have to, but it's, it's maintaining that. Right. And, uh, I'm going to channel my dad again. He would go, you know, he would say, there's a difference between winning your first championship and defending your championship. And I think we're in the defending part now, which mm-hmm. is kind of where it's like. Well, winter time's coming up. People don't want to go out right. necessarily. And and that was the thing last year. What do we do? Wh- like when winter was coming, because we'd opened back up for a little bit. like Right. And we ended up doing the drive through Carnival of the Creatives. Um, we, uh, Opportunity Arts was, a produ- was the promotion production company on that. And it was, well, technically – a parking ramp's not inside, <laughs> but it has a roof, and it's late October. Um, and so, like, those kind of adaptions and things like that, I think that's, again, another thing where you met people that were in traditional industries, and they were like, God, mm-hmm. yeah. and artists were just yeah, like. They just had to shut down. Yeah, and they were yep. the artists were just like, keep going. My wife's reaction to the pandemic was still one of the. So, my w- my wife is the most amazing human being in the world, and I'll fight anybody to save her life. But, um, <laughs> no, I always say she works her ass off so that I can go, ta-da. That's cool. Um, but uh, when the pandemic hit, like, she just continued just, like, yep, yep, doing my thing. I'm going to work. I'm double essential. It's fine. Whatever. What, did she, so what does she do? She is a supervisor at CVS. Okay. And at the time, she also worked at Home Depot. And everybody's like, oh, are you not taking this more seriously? And she's like, I am taking it seriously. She said, I've also lived through Hurricane Sandy and 9-11. <laughs> she goes, this is just another crisis. Right, yeah. Which then I was like, do you need a hug? Like, <laughs> But that's her just New York mentality of right. like, you know, like. Well, New York, the New York mentality, they have a, a really tough mind. They have a really tough mind. Like, I'm going to work. This is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Just because they have to live through the cold winters, right? Well, it's that, too. I mean, well, in Michigan, we have to live through the cold winters. I always said there's... But it's not as bad. The snow's actually worse in New Here? York. Oh, no, in New, New York. York. Right. Because there's nowhere to put it. Right. And there's 9 million people. Like right. uh, The population of New York City and the population of Michigan are the mm-hmm. same. And so, like... That's insane. Yeah. It's, that is insane. Yeah. We lived in... Uh, it was a seven and a half square miles and 23,000 people. Whew. Yeah. It's... I mean, that's just, yeah. And that's the other thing, too. I think another thing the pandemic did was level the playing field from the big cities to the yep. mid-sized markets. Yeah. Because there's a lot of artists now, like, um, again, I'll, I'll mention Stefano Andriotti, who's won world championships in opera and toured Europe and everything. He moved from New York. I was telling him I played up Lansing, mm-hmm. you know. And he moved to Lansing with his life partner in April, and she wow. works at the Okemos Kids Club. Wow. And works with that. And then he wants to do the traveling thing and stuff here. But he said... Why would I pay $2,500 a month for a studio apartment in New York when I could live in Lansing and buy a home? Mm-hmm. And if I need to do a gig in New York, I'll fly to New York. Right. I'll drive to New York. Right. And he's going to be one of the features um, in the Columbus Day Parade uh, in New York this year. Like wow. He always gets called up to do that. And I always have to explain Columbus Day in New York because I know there's Indigenous Peoples Day and there's Columbus Day. Columbus Day in New York is basically Italian St. Patrick's Day. And he's very Italian, Andriotti, you know. Right. Um, and so, like, some people like some people are like, oh, he's doing the Columbus Day Parade. <laughs> and I'm like, hold on, hold on. For him, that's a celebration of his heritage. So, but that's another thing. He's he's done a couple things where he's gone back to New York, back and forth okay. since moving here, and that's how he's building that whole thing. And now, right. but yeah, they're looking for a house, and he's like, I'm gonna be able to buy a house. Wow. Like as an artist. Right. Like that's that's a that's, that's insane. Yeah, like because we were what was it? We were um, 
one my the head of the dance program from West Texas came up and visited me in New York, and we got with a couple other dancers that had gone to New York and were d with different companies and stuff. And it was like, yeah, we're paying six hundred dollars a month for a loft, and four of us live in there, and it's like two bunks on each side. Oh my and gosh! And I'm like, it just makes no sense. You know. And so now with and and social distancing is like a suggestion, like, <laughs> okay, social distance, everyone go to your room. You know what I mean? Like, um, and so and turn and face the wall. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, everyone looked like the Blair Witch Project. It was just so. Um, but yeah, like you have that now where like you can be in this mid-sized city. Like, and even here, like I always say, a Lansing artist is a Chicago artist. It just depends if you want to do the tra do you want want to put in the work and do the travel. Because you look at like a company, like a dance company in New York, they do three or four shows a year. Right. You know, and that's their season. Right. And an artist here could do a show every quarter in Chicago and have a season in Chicago. And never live in Chicago. Wow. So it's just that never kind of. Never thought about that. Yeah, it's live somewhere where it takes you 20 minutes <laughs> to get out of your neighborhood. <laughs> and then suddenly driving's just like a whole different like. I was in a neighborhood last week and I was telling my wife this. We were in a neighborhood and it took like, it literally, it was actually three miles into the neighborhood and it took like eight turns to get to where I was going. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> no. I couldn't imagine having to drive in New York City. Oh, and it's not even – oh, in New York – I mean, New York – I wouldn't go. I wouldn't drive. Yeah. I, I've had a car in New York City one time, and I oh hated it. Um, in the nine years that I was there, that's the only time I ever took – because I'm like, I'm, I'll take public transit. Did you have a car when you lived there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to if you live on Long Island. Oh, okay. But, like, the thing was is, like, so we were 30 mi 31 miles outside of New York, and mm. literally I would leave my house and, like, get out of the – so I'd go down the road, turn right, turn left, and you're on a main road, and it, and then stop. And then wait to get over the hill and then get down to the bottom. And it oh was just, my gosh. yeah, there's so many. <laughs> we went back and visited um, over Christmas this year and then last year. And it was funny because when we came this year, I said, there are literally people that are in traffic that were in traffic last year. <laughs> like they just haven't made it home. Like they're just like, no, nah, I'm going to pull over on the LIE. I'm done. <laughs> just, it's great. Like the traffic that's out there is just insane. So as being. Being somebody who is a kind of a big figure in the arts community locally, what is your goals as far as having some of the the talent from the, some of these bigger cities like New York, Chicago, mm -hmm. L.A. come to Lansing and like maybe do shows and whatnot? Mm -hmm. I think and, and I chair I currently chair the Mayor's Arts and Culture Commission. So that's one of the things that we discuss is attracting talent. Okay. And I think that. Um, you know, it's it's funny, too, because, like, you do things in life that set you up for something else. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the recruiting when I was at West Texas, where it was like, we were a small program, right? Like, right. 30 majors is not a big dance program. Yep. But the thing was, is when we started recruiting, we could go to the freshmen and we could be like, you don't have to wait four years to get on stage. You'll be on stage next year. And so, basically, it was, the I again, my dad in Michigan, it was the idea of the Fab Five, put five freshmen up and let them go and it was the same thing with dance and so i think that's the thing with lansing is okay what can we sell to artists from new york chicago and these places about lansing mm -hmm. one you can own a house and be an artist right game changer two you get to define what this is going to look like like if you go to new york you're part of the infrastructure that's there right you literally get to build it in your own image here right um you're, you know, and it's kind of that thing of, especially if you have an entrepreneur mindset, like this is where you want to be because you, there is no Lansing tradition of art 
that like like New York has or like Paris. Because it's or untapped, like, right? Yeah, and it's new, and so you're literally getting to build a new tradition right. from scratch, and it's going to be designed like what Motown sound. Immediately, you think of something. Mm-hmm. They define that. Right. This is our chance now in the 2020s to define that. So I think that's the thing where we talk about attracting talent from outside, and you see somebody like Stefano Andreotti. Mm-hmm. To me, I'm like, this is this is step one of, right. you know, so great. One <coughs> Stefano Andreotti becomes 25 Stefano Andreottis. One Autumn Hopkins, Hopkins becomes 50 Autumn Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And then you have this whole robust area where they're producing in Lansing, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Chicago. And it makes Lansing the creative's capital and Michigan the state of the arts. Yeah. Because continentally, we're, we're centered perfect. Right. Because, I mean, I want, you know, and um, I'm not sure at the time of this if, like, the Canadian border is open yet. But you even yeah, look at Toronto. Sure. It's five hours. Yeah. Like, that's where – and you go to Toronto. You can s- and, and, again, working in Chicago and Toronto and Indianapolis, you can charge Chicago, Indianapolis, and Toronto prices for your tickets mm-hmm. and for your art. And then you can come back here. Right. Where a beer is five bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, like, that was the thing when we got here. We were like, how much is a craft beer? Oh, I'm just gonna pour this one out because <laughs> this—that's just silly what you just said. So, um, but I think that's you know to me that's kind of the next step in this is establishing it as an industry, helping Lansing grow and build into what it can be. Mm-hmm. Because I do think that 20 years from now, uh, you're gonna look at Lansing and associate some sort of art with it, the way that yeah. you look at Seattle with grunge. Um, we just did a, uh, a, I had to do one of those presentation things for city council, which was really weird because they had you sit like at a table. And I totally felt like I was one of those people in front of Congress, like, oh, <laughs> stop. But, um, you know, you look at Nashville, right? It started with the Grand Old Opry in 1925 or whatever it was. And now they're Music City, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then Willie Nelson goes to Nashville and basically they told him, your voice is terrible. You can't sing. Which is now we're like, it's Willie Bleeping Nelson. Like, <laughs> a lot of people are like, um, the song uh, Crazy that Patsy Cline sang, mm-hmm. Willie Nelson wrote yeah. that. Wow. And so he, they were like, we love you as a songwriter. You need to be a songwriter. And he's like, but I want to play music and I want to sing. And they're like, well, it needs to sound like, and he's like, you know what, bleep you guys, I'm out. I'm, gonna go, I'm going back to Texas. Mm-hmm. He goes back to Austin, Texas. They launch Austin City Limits. And then Austin is now the live music capital of the world. Yeah. And in 1970, when Willie got there, they had 260,000 people, and now they have 950,000 people. Austin's the fastest growing city in the con- in the country. It doesn't help any that during the pandemic, like Joe Rogan moved there, and then yep. all these comedians moved there. So now yep. it's become the the comedic. I can't talk again. The comedic um, Cap- sit- capital yeah. of the world. You don't no longer need to go to L.A. To right. or or New York City to do comedy. Yep. And, and again, if you go back in time to 1970 and you'd have told people in Austin, this is what Austin's going to look like, they'd have been yep. like, one, they'd have all been like, they'd had like the weed in their mouth, like <laughs> in the hat on, like, what you talking about? Um, that's, Amarillo still looks like that. But um, that's, you know, I, I, I love to compare Lansing to Austin. Yeah. Austin's like, to me, that's our blueprint city to watch because base, um, the, First cool thing, the state capitol buildings were designed by the same person. Really? Yep. I didn't know that. Um, the capitol in D.C., the capitol in Austin, and the capitol here were all designed by the same person. Wow. Um, so you have that. Um, Lansing is a politically a big blue dot mm-hmm. in the middle of a whole bunch of red. Yeah. Austin is a big blue dot in the middle of a whole bunch of red. 
Lansing is a city that constantly gets to hear about the bigger cities in our state, like Grand Rapids and Detroit and how awesome they are. Right. Austin is a city that gets to constantly hear about the bigger cities in their state and about how Austin, awesome Dallas and Houston are. Right. Um, and so you have these similarities mm-hmm. between the two cities. It's just that Austin has a 50-year head start on us. Right. And so to me, I'm like, okay, so they have a 50-year head start. They gave us a blueprint. How to do it. Like, this is, it's there. Right. This is all we have to do. And now they have a, uh, a arts and culture division within the city of Austin that's 11 city employees that are focused on arts and culture. Wow. And I'm like, you don't think it has something to do with how fast they're growing? Right. Like, come on, like, look at these cities that have embraced their arts and culture. Yeah. Now, like you said, you have these comedians and all these people mm-hmm. because why? The, there's an industry there for right. it. Right. And so that's why I pound the table. I'm a very big supporter of community and building community. Mm -hmm. But I'm also a big supporter of we have to build industry along with it. Because if we have if we just build a community, but we don't build this industry, it's just going to be a community of starving artists Mm -hmm. or artists who are, you know, just scratching and where, you know, um, and there's it's it's not just going to be art. And that's kind of how it was before. Mm-hmm. As far as the artists have to scavenge, scavenge. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. This is so frustrating. No, you're good. <laughs> you know that's that's kind of how it was before. Is artists didn't really make a whole lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, with their their artwork or whatever. So it's kind of it's kind of nice to see where the community is going now. And as far as you know, like like you said, there's um uh there's been artists that were able to make a living mm-hmm. this year or last year off of their, their work. Yeah. And, or they're able to like cut back on, you know, the job they have, they went from being full time there to part time. Okay. There. Um, I also think there's a mindset that we need as artists to carry ourselves with a little more swagger and a little more confidence, borderline cockiness <laughs> because, because it's been so disrespected for so long. Okay. You know what I mean? But without the art snobbiness, right? Not, li- not the art snobbiness, but like, like okay, Will Pruitt, right? I don't know if you if you like rock music, like classic rock music. Mm-hmm. I call him the second coming of Seeger, because to me that's <laughs> just it, like you hear him and he's got like this Janis Joplin type rasp to right, him. Right. But like somebody like that, like get excited about these people and understand, like if you support this now, you're always going to be able to be the person that be like, dude, I saw Will Pruitt at a you know, right. like right. in a room with like 15 other people. And it's Before like, he was something right. <laughs> there's a, there's a it, picture on the internet and I have it saved in my phone as the Beatles performing at a wedding for 18 people. Wow. Like David Bowie started off with doing, playing youth gatherings and weddings. Like all these massive artists that you think yeah. of, they all started doing this small stuff. Yeah. And it's important to start from nothing right. because then it, it shows you to appreciate where you came from. Yep. And, and that's the that's the good thing about the, uh, it. Not they're not really being a scene here locally. Is that you're able to kind of create it and then grow it. Yep. Like you had mentioned earlier. Yeah, and do yeah. do it in your image, and it's it's neat too because a lot of these young artists that I see, like it hasn't gone to their head. You know what I mean? And you look at you know like some of the artists we've mentioned, like Will <coughs> and Stefan, they're all in their m- or mid to early twenties. Wow. And I said if we and again why I go back to the sports stuff and things like that is because again sports makes its money yeah you know what i mean we have a net we have now multiple networks dedicated to people taking takes on sports right yeah yeah. and it's they've built this up and i think like with the arts it's the same type thing where you know you look at large business and sports right Mm -hmm. so i want to say that the anheuser-busch sponsorship with the nfl is 2.8 billion 
something. It's something. It's it's one point nine or two point eight. I can't remember, but still, it's regardless. A, it's, it, yeah, the word billion is at the end, <laughs> right? And that's why if you go to a stadium or something for an NFL game, you will mm. not get Miller Lite or Coors Light products because right. Bud Light. And that's why Bud Light has the first Super Bowl ad and everything like mm-hmm. that. Well, the thing is, is when small businesses, those like those small businesses, like an Eagle Monk Pub and Brewery, right? Yeah, they're never going to be able to advertise with the NFL, right? Right, because Anheuser Busch has taken that away from them, right? But when small businesses realize that they can do the same thing with the arts that big business has done with sports, mm. I think you change everything at that point. Like breweries putting the artists' work on the labels, right? Wow. Why is your can when so when you go into Horrocks and you have the can wall, right? Right. I know a couple of artists that I work with that I'd be like, make your can stand out, and they'd be like, got it. And then you just see it, and you're like, I don't even know what this is. Like, there's some cans they don't even write. Like, it's you're like, it could be a stout, it could be an IPA, <laughs> surprise. Um, but the artwork's cool, right? Um, and so I is think this, this is something that's being done right now. This is something I'd like to see done. I think it's wow. done very, very like every here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times they still do it on, oh, submit this for a contest, right? Right. right. Which I have issue with, but then again, I also am one of those people like. You get in what you put out of it, right? right. Where, yeah, if a company, because we had a brewery about, I was going to say middle of the pandemic, was like, hey, we want to have artists submit for these li- for these labels for this series. Cool. The winner gets X amount of dollars, and it wasn't a good amount. Mm. Um, but what I had said to a couple of the artists and that I knew applied, I said, yeah, you apply for this one, but now you have the blueprint for the 300 breweries that are in this state. Right. So you go to them right. and you say, hey, do you have a new series coming out? Yeah, we're about to introduce some sour beers. Cool. Do you need artwork for those sour beer cans? Yeah. Because a lot of times they aren't thinking about it. You know what I mean? They're right. just they're just like, they're thinking wow. about, I want to make good beer. And so I think those kind of things, restaurants, like your ticket to a lug nut game mm-hmm. gets you a free appetizer at Buffalo Wild Wings or whatever it is. Right. Let's do the same thing with your ticket to the symphony gets you a dessert at Social Sloth. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and that's where, like, I, I feel like I'm yelling into the ether of, like, <laughs> we just need to do that. Like, here's everything. Like, let's just do this. Um, you know, and if, and if nothing else, if we swing and fail, right, we're right where we were. That's right. So have have you tried talking to anybody about this? How's that going? A little bit. Um, good-ish, you know. Um, it's funny, too, because, like, for me, like like I said, it's mom, pop, and a hamster wheel. There's a lot of things that, like, I totally feel like my life is Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> where like during the day I'm like playing every instrument and dancing with cartoon <laughs> penguins, and then at nine o'clock at night during the week, and a lot of people don't know this, but I work at Home Depot twenty hours a week for eighteen, and you know that's me being a chimney sweep. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like so now I'm at Home Depot and like, so there's a lot of stuff that I want to do more on myself, but also I think it's a crossroads for opportunity arts too, where now we need to start to expand out and have other people that are you know, in the company and in the organization right. doing stuff to expand that. But I think we can get there. Do you find that Opportunity Arts, you'll be able to go full-time with it anytime soon? I'm hoping so. You're hoping so. Yeah, I'm hoping so. That's the goal. So. Yeah. Um, we'll probably always have something because my wife's type 1 diabetic and we need medical mm. benefits. Right. You know? Um, but, yeah, the goal, I mean, the goal for, for me for Opportunity Arts is I want Opportunity Arts to be the WWE of the arts. Like I want people to feel like, man, I'm gonna make a living. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be over there with them. Hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, 
essentially you guys are like an agent for artists yes yeah. yep so basically yeah I've, I've been called a sports agent for artists which one time <laughs> totally blew up in my face because somebody oh heard gosh. sports agent for artists and they were like time to audition <laughs> and i'm like we're at a show you're being disrespectful don't do that um but uh yeah no it's it's funny because i'm like the sports agent or the gm or it's probably the other field i would work in if i didn't do arts sports want to be in sports management yeah that kind of stuff i just love I mean, you'd probably be able to do it easily. Just I'd enjoy switch it. On over. <laughs> I'd enjoy it, but of course, I'd be crazy and be like, "I want to go work for the Lions because that'd be the hardest <laughs> thing." You know what I mean? And then we're gonna be like the Patriots tomorrow. And then we all saw how that worked out. That was terrible. That was a terrible <laughs> idea. Let's just hire all the Patriot people. No, don't do that. But I think I, I I don't know. I love the Lions, but I think at some point, like you just go, well, it's the Lions. It's the li- <laughs> right. Like like everybody was. My br- brother texted me. Um, about the the game that we just had against the Ravens, there's a no there's no penalty called on the delay of game, and he kicks the record field goal, record longest field goal, which by the way was broken. Tom Dempsey had the record, and he kicked it against the Lions, <laughs> back in like the 70s or whatever. And so, but it's like, have you ever seen the Lions lose like that? And I was like, yes, <laughs> all the time. That's how that's that was the most Lions thing I've ever seen. But. You know, one day, you know, I mean, the Cubs won a World Series, right? Like, yeah. If we don't see the Lions, or if we see the Lions win, then we think something's up. Yeah. If it'll be the greatest party in the history <laughs> of the state. We might set couches win. on fire just in we'll, celebration. I'll set myself on fire. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but no, because that's the one, like, I asked my dad. My dad's 75. I was like, do you think you'll see it in your lifetime? He goes, no. <laughs> and he just he shot it right down. I was like, no. He's like, as many rebuildings as I've seen. Um but no, I just, you know, I'm hoping one day they win one because it would. It would just be like, I'm not greedy. I'm not like. <laughs> I want to win them all. Nine and 18 years like, <laughs> like Brady. No, I'm okay. Um, just one. Just one. <laughs> Do you get involved in local sports at all? Like maybe the Lug Nuts or don't they have a soccer team now? They had a soccer team. They had a they soccer had team. They had Ignite. Um, okay. We actually have a semi-pro uh, football team, the Lansing Lightning. Autumn's boyfriend, Josh, plays for that. Really? For them. He's the kicker. I did um, not know that. Yeah. Where do they play at? Uh, it's like a park. It's like just a regular park in like South Lansing. Oh, I'm okay. not really sure where, but they play like, they w- they made it to the championship. They won the championship last year and then made it to the championship this year. Wow. Um, they play teams from Toledo and Detroit. And oh, wow. Um, so we have that. There's a semi-pro basketball league or team or something that hmm. we have. So we have a lot of minor league sports here too. Yeah. I'm not as involved because I just... Free time is not a luxury that I right. enjoy. Like I'm to the point now where if I have free time, I panic because I'm like, why? what am I? What am I forgetting? Why do I have free time? <laughs> I shouldn't have free time. What am I? For- yeah, and then obviously ADHD. I'm like, oh my god! Like I'm definitely forgetting something, and then that's why. Again, my wife is so amazing, is because you know she is that she is that She's solid the glue foundation that holds you yep. together. So like with the budgeting, like we do budgeting and stuff like that. Like she's phenomenal at all that stuff, all the number stuff. That's cool. I am not a math guy. <laughs> I'm not like any of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's I'm cool. more. Well, I think what I do well is I s- find an audience and I go, "This is the audience that's gonna like this person's mm. stuff." Um, You're good at putting the stuff together, and she's good at holding the everything yeah. together. <laughs> yes, she she defends the castle while I march why I march the army. So <laughs> that's kind of our relationship. But like even when I was in New York, there's a company um, there called Ballet Wri. And okay. it was that was kind of one of those things when we started our own thing and started to work with all these different companies where, like, you realize how you have to be able to adapt and that 
Like it's you can't just every arts organization can't just go. This is how we promote art because you'll fail. So like you look at so ballet WRI, their dancers are as talented as the dancers in New York City Ballet and ABT okay. because New York City Ballet and ABT can't hire everybody, right? Right. So you have these thousands of phenomenal, exceptional dancers that go elsewhere that go that go to these other little companies in New York or something like that. And you have Ballet Deviari, who has these amazing dancers. They dance classical ballet, but Ballet Deviari only dances to death metal. Wow. Classical ballet to wow. death metal. That's it. Yes, you can YouTube them. Ballet I got to look that up. Yes, <laughs> just try, type in death metal ballet. Okay. And it'll right. pop up. And it's amazing because you're like, I'm watching ballet, but it's literally like, like it's. Interesting. And so when I first met them, my thought was, okay. The New York City Ballet audience, the people that go to Lincoln Center and go to the Met and these places, that is, they are, this is not (laughs) that audience, you know what I mean? So I looked at, okay, who goes to Rocky Horror? Who watches Metalocalypse? What social media groups love metal music? Things like that. That's who you have to start hitting. So that's kind of what I I always look at is, okay, because I'll never tell an artist, no, do something else, do that. I'm like, whatever you're creating. Yeah. It's my job to be good enough to at what I do to go, okay, let's find an audience for that. So you had mentioned kind of at the beginning that somebody who n- paints a picture or y- you know, and might call themselves an artist mm-hmm. isn't, might not be an artist. What, I- what in your definition is an artist? What would qualify them to you as an artist? So let me, let me be clear because sometimes this is like a, it's a, it's a tricky subject and it gets, you know, some people get a little upset. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I'm I think anybody who wants to do art while the, the, I, I always it's not artist or not artist it's right. hobbyist versus professional okay so if I want to go out and throw a football outside right yeah I'm not a football player even if I even though I played in high school you're retired it's just right I'm retired <laughs> there you go. I never made a dollar doing it but I'm retired <laughs> but it's one of those things where I think there's a lot of artists that are hobbyists and doing mm. that if that's your hobby yeah awesome and if you want to do art every single night and you never want to sell a piece and you just want to do it and that's what fulfills you as a human being awesome because you know what you're going to be a fan so when i'm going to sell tickets to my art gallery show you're going to be somebody who's going to spend money to go see that right so i want as many people enthusiastic and doing art as possible i think i'm very pro and i don't know how you fund it but i think there's a way we can figure it out i'm very pro uh universal arts education so that anyone who ever picks up a paintbrush as a kid, if they're like, this is what I want to do, there's an avenue for them to do that. Right. Eventually you get to a point, and this is, this is coming from a dance background, okay? So um, it, there's ballet shoes and then there's point shoes. Point shoes are when you go up actually on the point and it's on a wooden block mm. and you dance up on, the, on these blocks. And... It is extremely dangerous, and you will hurt a person for the rest of their life if you put them in point too early. If they're not ready to be on point and you put them what's, on point. What's the age? It's not an age. It's an ability level. Oh. It's not an age at all. Because if you start late, you can't be like, well, I'm 30. I can, you know. <laughs> right. Um, it's an ability level, and okay. your feet and your legs and your muscles have to be strong enough to do that. Okay. Well, if you're somebody who teaches dance and you didn't go and get the certificates in, you know, the qualifications to do that, right? And you just taught at your local dance studio in Nowheresville, Indiana, right? Yeah. 
and then you're deciding, hey, you're good enough. I'm going to put you on point because the parents are like, oh, I just want to see my kid in point shoes. And you're like, okay, well, you spend money with me. I'm going to do And you put the kid in point shoes. You're literally going to screw that kid's feet up for the rest of their life. They will have feet and leg and muscle bone issues because they're still growing. So if you don't know what you're doing, you're hurting people. Mm. And I think, obviously, that's different than drawing a stick figure. But, like, (laughs) for me, like, I would get visibly mad when we would see it at a dance competition. And the judges were like, this kid shouldn't be on point. And some of the teachers were like, how dare you? And it's like, you're hurting them. And so that's, I think, why I get on a soapbox like that. Mm -hmm. I think, again, anyone should be able to do art. Anyone should have, and youth should have education, universal access to it. But once you hit that level of this is what I do for a living, this is right. this is what's gonna send my kids to college and feed me and buy my, get my house, and get, like there has to be a level of quality, and there has to be a level where you go, this is substantially better than this, and some people don't right. like that. That's right. But yeah. I feel it's a reality of, you know, I I can't do what Tom Brady does. I'd love to. I can't do what John Cena does. I'd love to. I can't. I'll be fans. You know, I still root for mm-hmm. the Lions. There's no good reason on earth why I should root for that team. <laughs> but I'm a fan. Right. You know? And um, so, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my stance on it. And, you know, other people will have their own opinions and everything. But that's for me and just from working in different markets and stuff around the country. That's just how I feel about it. Like, I think that's a pretty fair stance. I mean, like you had said, it's it's kind of like playing a sport. If it's not something you do, if you don't exercise regularly, mm-hmm. um, if you're not out there hustling to make money from it, then it's not really. I mean, I don't. I guess you're not. I don't know if I, I would hate to say somebody's not an artist because you're mm-hmm. doing the you're doing the act of an artist, right. right? But you're not putting in the work to to sell it and Mm -hmm. and to make a living from it like you had mentioned well and here's where i think and again there's like that that the term an artist right um and we'll go back to the necessity thing of the plumber right the plumber can do the plumbing right and so what happens is is the reason i feel that you have people ask artists to do stuff for exposure or oh well it's going to help the community so you're not getting paid but isn't it great and we're going to give you a platform is because there's this disrespect of well anybody's an artist right Right. so there's so so if you let everyone in you automatically defeat value Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because there's not a value to this person is doing this and it's special right because anybody can do it because anybody can do it and i think because this industry has been disrespected for so long that we need to have there we need to say look this is substantially good and not be elitist you know and i think when we talked about the future of lansing like again we don't have that tradition so like we can build it the right way where it is inclusive where we do give opportunity to everyone from every walk of life and every background and every everything right we have a chance to build that up now, but we also need to remember too that like there is a little bit of merit that goes in there. Right. And you know, somebody who you know, you look at some. I'm I'm trying to think now. Like, you know, you hear Stefano sing, and you know, people want to take classes from him because he's done it. He's won right. world championships. He's been f- featured on television. You look at different dancers and stuff that you want to train with and learn from. 
they've accomplished that. Like when I was uh, marketing for Gelsey Kirkland Ballet in New York, um, that was the last company I worked for before I started my own business. Like Gels, if you so if you watch PBS, the Nutcracker on PBS every okay. Christmas, the woman that plays Clara, the little girl that plays Clara, that's yeah. Gelsey Kirkland. She's oh, now wow. like an old woman. Um, she's still amazing. Like, and that was like, for me, it was weird. Like, it was like the starstruck <laughs> thing of like, she'd come in, Mike, and I'd be like, Gelsey Kirkland, that's my first name. Awesome. Like, um, beca- because, uh, and you look at like, those kids are going to take from me, like, you get to take from Gelsey Kirkland. Like, that's crazy. That's cool. I met Gene Kelly's wife. It was like one of the most amazing moments of my life because like, I was, I was a little kid. I wrote in, you know, like. Gene Kelly was the lead in Singing in the Rain. I don't, I don't know if anybody know, everybody knows him, but like big hero of mine. Um, but I wrote him a letter as a kid. And he wrote me. He sent back an autograph wow. picture, and like I took it to her, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "That's his." She's like, "Yep." She wow. like verified it, and it was just like, like just to get to meet her, like that was one of the things. That is awesome. There's been a lot of cool stuff that I've gotten to do from just this work. Yeah. Like, so New York Public Library for the Performing Arts is at Lincoln Center, and. Uh, we ended up doing a piece. We were working with Dave Lois Farron there, and uh, she w- wanted to contact the library about how they archive their work because um, she did a piece called Time to Talk, which is about systemic racism within the mm. arts and what color do we call nude, what color are nude tights, and the way lighting plots hit certain bodies right. and bodies and skin types. And she wanted to do, we, we wanted to talk about how are they archiving because they had tons of archive from ballet because ballet archives well. But street dance, break dance, modern, all that stuff, they were a little mm. bit behind on. And Dave wanted to talk to them, and we went in and talked to them, and they ended up giving us a private tour of the archive, the wow. New York Performing Arts archive. And so, like, Balanchine's choreography notes. Wow. And, like, like I literally was just, like, I, I, like mouth open, like, <laughs> this is every piece of dance history, like, ever. And it was just, wow. like, yeah. And, just and that's not see. something they do regularly? No, we had come wow. in and... Um, it was one of the jobs I got to do for one of my artists. Dava reached out to me, and she said, and we had been working together. Dava Lois Farron Dance, huge plug. I would love if, if you get a chance to check her out. She's amazing. Dance Magazine named her one of the top seven black dance artists to have on your radar. Wow. Um, she's performed at Martha's Vineyard. She's, she's from New York? She's Yeah, she's okay. from New York. She's from Jamaica originally. She did wow. a piece called uh, Consider Water because she didn't have access to uh, clean water as a wow. child. Um, and so one of my ge- one of my jobs for her was I need to connect with a uh, with somebody from the Jamaican consulate, and so we ended up like I'm writing people at the UN like, hey. wow. and so um, we ended up. She said I want a dance historian, and me go for the biggest home run you can hit. I'm like New York Public Library for Performing Arts, and it was literally an email to Linda Murray, who's the curator, wow. and I said Dave is doing this project. This is what she wants to do. She'd like to read a child for a dance historian. Maybe you have some ideas. Because I'm like, if they're not, if they can't, they'll know who can. Right, right. I get a call the next morning at 830. And it's Linda Murray. And she's like, what do you need? I want to help. What do you need? And we're like, oh. <laughs> and so, like, she came and, like, spoke at a panel and stuff like that. So that's kind of the weird. And then that's how she was like, well, you guys need to come. You guys need to come to the library. And then Dava got to perform at Lincoln Center. Wow. Through that whole thing. And it was just like, like this is this is my job, you know. Right. And it's just some, one of those cool things where like you have those experiences and that those opportunities that you wouldn't normally get. Right. Um, and since then, they've since talking to Deva, they've totally switched up their um, how they look at archiving, and they ended up purchasing the Bill T. Jones Arch- Archive, which is the largest African American dance archive. Wow. Um, 
that's now and it will always be there and protected. Wow. And I looked at David and I said, be the change you want to see in the world. <laughs> that I is so like, cool. And I was like, we could drop dead tomorrow and our dance industry is better off because we exist in it. Right. You know, and that's what I want on my tombstone is I left it better than I found it. That's it. I like that. Um, so we're going to wrap this up here soon. We're an hour and 22 minutes. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, no, you're good. Um, I enjoy listening to you talk about the arts community because I don't know a whole lot about it. I'm not, I'm not really an artist. So well, come in. Um, come check it out. <laughs> I will. Be a fan. I am a fan. I'm a fan of art. Um, I was going to ask you a question. My question was, uh, oh, yeah. So if there's young, like a young person watching this or listening to this locally um, and they want to join, they want to come in, be a part of, they want to be an artist, they mm -hmm. aspire to be an artist, what would your recommendation be to them? What would your words of inspiration be? Start taking workshops from some of the artists that are in their 20s now that were you 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Have that person that you aspire to be. And that's the great thing about here is you can take classes from those people, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, I would say, get, get to know who's here locally, who you like. Connect with companies like Opportunity Arts, the Artists Umbrella, and the Lansing Art Gallery and Education Center. Go to the Poetry Room. Like, go start immersing yourself in all this stuff. Um, because that's the thing, I think, like for me, I, I always liked seeing somebody that I wanted to pattern myself after. And even now in business, I have my Mount Rushmore of promotion. And it's uh, it's um, P.T. Barnum, George M. Cohan, Vince McMahon, and uh, David Geffen. And those are my four. Like, that I'm like, I, if, I can, if I can do like that, Right. You know, and being a dancer, like watching Gene Kelly, like that was, I want to go, I want to be a dancer because Gene Kelly did that. So right. that's where here you don't, if you're a singer, you don't have to be like, oh my God, I want to be whoever you can like, you can go work with these people. Right. Um, so that's what I would say is get and find out more stuff. Follow. You just had Sarah Pierce on 517 Living because mm -hmm. all your events are going to be on there. Yeah. That's going on. Go to an open mic. Just sit and enjoy it and learn mm -hmm. and your world will get a whole lot bigger. I agree. Yeah, I've had a lot of artists on, and it's it's tremendous knowing that we have all these people who are super talented here in our local community because, I mean, through me talking to them, I'm learning all kinds of things about the art art community. Like I had um, I had Sema on. She was yep. at the um, – uh, not Opportunity Arts, um, the Artist Umbrella mm -hmm. for a while. Um, but she, she read a piece of um, – poetry and it like on the podcast and i was like whoa yeah it blew my mind i'm like this is this is amazing well shameless plug we got a guy uh morgan madden are you familiar with him no he does a piece called an ode to the 517 okay and it's literally it, i'm like that's an anthem like that's what you wow. hear before you go into battle right? <laughs> um and he's a phenomenal poet and uh you know like there's there's so many things too about like the different genres that we have you know mm. being from peoria illinois it's 112,000 people so 5,000 people or whatever it is, less than what's here. Right. But, like, they're not pumping out. They might have, like, five household name people where you're like, oh, I know that artist. Why we do you think that is? We have it per genre. It's, I don't, it's an anomaly. I really uh, – there's no explaining. I like. You think it's because Detroit's here, Grand Rapids, like all these uh, kind of these cities that art came out of? 
I, maybe Chicago is not that far. Maybe, but like you even look at Mason. You look at Mason. Mason's not a big town. Right. Morgan's from Mason. Sarah Sanders is from Mason. Christine Bricky's from Mason. Um, Will Pruitt's from Mason. Uh, like there's the and and I'm forgetting people. <laughs> like it's just to me, it's just it's and I think that's the thing is they're so dedicated to it. Mm. And I think now what's cool is a lot of them. It's like. I joke that I sometimes feel like the Wizard of Oz at the end of the movie where he's like, Scarecrow, you've had a brain this whole time. <laughs> like, Tin Man, you're the most caring person. You've had a heart this whole time. Like, and I think now that they're starting, they start to realize, oh, like, yeah, I should be proud of what I've done. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I am this good. And right. so I think now you're seeing this confidence build, right. which I think is good because, again, a, a famous Michigan artist once said R-E-S-V-E-C-T. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I think that's a thing, too. Who was it? Oh, Aretha Franklin. Oh. I, again, I, like, it's the, I'll go back to Motown. Um, those are Michigan artists. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, Stevie Wonder went to the School of the Blind here in yeah. Lansing. Like, yeah. He's one of ours. Yeah. You know? Like, these were all artists that if we, you know, if, if local was as focused on back then as it is now, yeah. they're local Michigan artists, right, right? right? So this is that next wave of that that's coming, and uh, I don't—I hate the term local celebrity, <laughs> but I like the term local artistic influencer, and I think that's what we have now in a lot of these artists that are here. So I think the confidence is good because again, they're starting to be like, like we have artists now that they'll come to somebody and be like, "Hey, we're going to give you five hundred dollars for a mural. Like, isn't that great?" And they're wow. like, "That wall's a seven thousand dollar wall." Wow. Like for supplies and the work and the labor, right. you want me to paint that? It's seven grand. Wow. That's what market is. I'll give you a break. We'll, I'll do it for five. <laughs> but like you can already see, there's a disconnect. Right. Which another right. thing, whole another concept of you know sometimes like the people that are like, well, I'll do the whole wall for five hundred. Right. Yeah. That's not helping. Those are people like, struggling who right. don't know their worth. Right. And it's like, yeah. man, no, tell them to you know because they'll come back. And it's funny too because and I'll and I'll shut up, but. <laughs> Um, even with booking artists, I, like I'll talk to different people from festivals and they'll be like, oh, we'd love to have an artist do this thing. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I used to say, what's your art budget? What's your budget for artists? Oh, well, you know, it'll be great marketing for them and blah, oh. blah, blah, right? Not interested. And I've told them, I've been like, and so I've started to use what's your entertainment budget? Because they view, oh yeah, well, I'd have to pay for entertainment. Right. And so literally they're like, we want to have four visual artists do something. Cool. What's your entertainment budget? We we could do like we could do like two fifty we could do like five you know what I mean like suddenly right. there's money that I know had I said what's your art budget right it wouldn't have been there right and sometimes I'll be like what's your entertainment budget and they're like oh we don't have one and I'll go then you don't get entertainment <laughs> I, and I I, I kind of like being the ba- the the bad cop for my artists where it's like yeah no I'll tell them I have no problem being like nope add a zero. <laughs> So does the artist get mad about that? No, no, not when not when they add a zero. Yeah, because we had the same thing happen when one of ours in New York. We had them, um, the venue wanted them to sign. They were like they w- they wanted to give them a nice amount of money for two nights. It was a very nice. It was it was, it was over five grand wow. for two nights of performing. Wow. Awesome, right? Until in the sixty-page contract that they sent the artist, that the artist paid me to go through because the artist doesn't this dancer doesn't have time to do all that. Um, they sent him a 60-page artist that most artists would be like, I'm getting this one. They're signing. Right. They're not even questioning. Right? So I'm going through the 60-page contract, and I see 
Um, the artist is not allowed to perform within the 75-mile radius of New York City six months prior or six months after the engagement. What? And that's where my add a zero came from because I said <laughs> that's they're they're wanting they're taking your, your ability to make money yeah. away for a year. Right. And I get it. They don't want you to go across the street and perform. Right. Makes sense. Right. But but not really. It's a right. Like I'm the kind of like I hate no compete clauses. And sometimes you have to like with subcontractors and things like that. But like that was egregious to me. Yeah. Like you're in New York City. You understand yeah. this is a gig economy. Right. Like. You can't do this. Yeah. And so literally that was my negotiation. So I was like, you need to add a zero. And I said, because this artist has already been featured and it was like, they've been on, excuse me, they've been on the art section, the, the cover of the art section of the New York Times. Like you're getting wow. as good of this as they are. Right. And it ended up, it was the only time they'd ever negotiated a contract where they were like, okay, well fine. They can do the, you know, they can do the rest of their season, but um, don't add any more extra performances in New York during that time. Oh. So they got to do their whole season. And then what we did is we went, fine, what's every university outside of that between <laughs> 75 and 100,000 miles? And, we're, and we booked a tour for those wow. universities at the same time. And then when that six months ended after the engagement, because I was like, there's no way that you're not going to, you right. shouldn't, you, like, it's egregious. I'm still, like, That's you can egregious. see me. Yeah. Like, I'm still getting to the point <laughs> where I'm like, how dare you? Um, yeah, so I don't want to go two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely think I we could should talk to you for two hours. <laughs> I definitely think we should have you back on to kind of talk about these things because I think that's really important. That's something I didn't know. Um, and uh, I think uh, that's something Autumn was also talking about on here, how there, there's an inequity with women getting paid mm -hmm. as, you know, compared to men and whatnot. But that's a whole other subject. Um, so kind of wrapping this up, uh, how can people get a hold of you? How can they come to the uh, – like artist umbrella and the art collective um so all the different yeah cause all we, the different well because all artist umbrella what, what are all the different art um businesses or uh, groups here in lansing there's so many um now we're going two hours no I'm just kidding. um <laughs> no there's a lot of um artist umbrella check out it's a great variety show um you're gonna get to see a lot of artists all at once there's um, the Poetry Room. If you're a big fan of poetry, it's a open mic. If you want to go read there, like there, that's a great one. Um, we have Monday Night Masterpiece, which is at the Artatorium, which is connected mm -hmm. to Cedar Street Art Collective. Mm -hmm. So Cedar Street Art Collective is basically a studio space at the old Dicker and Deal. Mm -hmm. Sarah Sanders is in there. Um, Andrew Sandstedt's in there. He's done the Butterfly Sculpture in Rio Town and the Phoenix oh, cool. in Old Town. Um, and so there's all these different places you can go and check out. And uh, the Arts Council is a great place to connect with. And then obviously okay. Opportunity Arts. Um, yep. The website's opportunityarts.org. Um, we're good at connecting you again with like the different artists because like we have this huge roster of over 50 affiliates wow. that, um, you know, Autumn, Natalie, Artist mm -hmm. Umbrella, Cedar Street. So I think coming to us, you can kind of, that's going to be like your doorway into all of these other groups. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, shameless plug for our place. Come check out the Auditorium. Uh, Monday Night Masterpiece is basically a, um, it's kind of like the Tonight Show meets Austin City Limits. <laughs> and uh, basically we do like art presentations and an interview. Oh, okay. Because I'm a big believer in you buy from who you like. So the more you get to, and that's what, that's what national celebrities do is they go on the late night talk shows. Right. They're not there because they want to hang out with Stephen Colbert. Right. That's what we want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're there because they're going to plug their next movie or plug right. their next project yep. or come to the zoo or whatever it is. Or go on a podcast and talk about their business. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. That's why I love like 
you being here and having this platform and things like that because like coming from New York you didn't have just the New York Times you had New York Times and Newsday the big ones but then you had Village Voice Tribeca Tribune you know you had all the different podcasts and all the different media right. outlets you know and when people go well Lansing only has City Pulse and the Lansing State Journal and the three TV stations I'm like no <laughs> I'm like, they have the Palm Reader, and they have Rising Above Podcast, and they have um, Michigan Reimagined with Chris Buck, and Every Damn Day with Jerry North. Like, mm -hmm. there's all these different media outlets. Yeah. And, you know, if somebody's not covering you, and you want to go somewhere else, like, this is a great way to reach. And that's yeah. the thing, too, is it's building up this media industry that we have. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of the stories that I've heard um, from people that are on your show, I may not have heard had they not come on here. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? Because they're not on WLNS or right. they're not on one of the big TV stations. And so Palm Reader is another one. Sarah Spohn and Jeremy Cohn, who run that, they do a great job with bringing light to stuff that isn't necessarily... I'll have to check that one out. They're good. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Six Jobs. That's her nickname. Okay. Um, she's a badass. <laughs> um, uh, that's the big compliment. If I call you a badass, that's, <laughs> that's my big compliment for you. But um, but she does great work with them. Uh, Jeremy Cohn does as well. Um, there's others I'm forgetting. But like that's the media industry here. you know. Mm -hmm. And for somebody like you, like, being able to feature these artists and stuff like that like that's huge for their career yeah. because now that we have social media yeah. we have their own websites and things like that like yeah. that can live forever on there and i know a lot of artists are now like i told all them the other day you need to have a press page for your website yeah I was like, because yeah. now like i mean you've seen it she's everywhere yeah i'm like you have to she's have been it on the news like yeah. twice since i interviewed her yeah she's <laughs> just all over the place and yeah. that's you know and um now her she's up for uh top of the town for city yeah, pulse for top I've artists and it's like you know, um, but that's the next step is now you have that and then now you need to build, have a press kit. Right. Because now it's that next step up is, yep. and I've told her, 2022, you need to start looking at the other cities and yep. you need to have all your stuff ready to go, hey, I want to come up to Traverse City for a weekend. Here's my yeah. press kit. Here's all the stuff I've done. Here's why you should pay me to come up here. Something I think is real cool, too, is about, like, you know, like me interviewing, like, Autumn, let's say. You know, somebody can see her on the news and be like, oh, well, I kind of like her art. But it's like a quick snippet of mm -hmm. what she actually does. But when they see her come in here and talk and tell her story as to what inspires her and they get to kind of know who she is as a person. Yep. And then uh, then they might be like, oh, I want to follow her on social media or, you know, I want to buy artwork from her to help help her along. And yep. it's just a whole process of building everybody up. Yep. Well, and it's and final pop culture reference. <laughs> the news is the is the is the trailer to yeah. the movie that is Rising Above Podcast. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. you come on here and you get the whole thing, right? Whether you want, whether you want two hours of it or not, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that's that's one thing too is like, uh, I mean, we're kind of going on a rabbit trail now, but uh, <laughs> I think we started on a rabbit trail. So <laughs> people always ask me like, what's what's you know your audience like? Do you have a lot of listeners? Or I'm like, I don't really care. You know, like I'm talking to you. Some people might like it. Some people might not. Yeah. They'll just not watch it, I guess, if they don't like it. Yep. So. I know some of my coworkers that get through their nights at Home Depot at Freight Team by themselves listening to podcasts because yeah. that's their, you know, yeah. like, and that's the thing now. You can go to work, you can listen to podcasts, yeah. drive somewhere. You know, if you have to yeah. do a gig in Chicago, it's a three-hour trip. Yeah. Ta-da. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I do when I'm at work. I just pop in podcasts and I listen to them all day long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can get through like 20 podcasts in a day. Yeah. I listened. I listened to uh, your initial one today, okay. and then uh, a little bit of Natalie's, and I listened to Sarah's okay. the other day. Yeah, you know, prepping. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's like, and that's you know, just I think I forget where it popped up, but I saw your podcast pop up, and immediately yeah. I was like, 
there's another ad there's another yeah. platform yeah you know and that's one thing that's cool about social media is that it's a tool in all aspects right right kind of like the 517 page that's that's a tool and that's the way i look at it it's, it's a tool for me to promote the podcast to promote other people who i have on the podcast so yeah yeah it just kind of builds everybody up it's funny too because i've said to somebody before i was like could you imagine what like because like again i look back at my heroes like could you imagine what pt barnum and the circus could have done with social media <laughs> like right. how many yep. people they would get i mean they get five thousand people inside yeah. the tent for one of those things yeah that he would send people to town a week early to kind of plug the show or whatever like right. i'm like you put somebody you give social media to somebody like that like he would literally think we're all cheating yeah. again barnum had his faults yeah but like yep. those people from that era that didn't have this i'm like man yeah and y again you're an individual artist now like i, I love listening to uh dave grohl mm -hmm. just talk about like you you want to mat you know you you're happy this thing doesn't or you want this thing to exist make it yeah you want to have a rock magazine make it like I just like that mentality. do it yeah he's he did a whole big thing at South by Southwest and again South by Southwest another reason that Austin is what it is yep. do you know the Capital City Film Festival is one of the top twenty five film festivals in the world really yep we're in the country one of the two wow. either way either way bragging rights Lansing <laughs> Ivan Eiler who's an artist from here who did Portrait of a Dreamer downtown okay. you can see him right now on Netflix on Metal Shot Masters oh wow like, I didn't know that yeah and that's 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 another thing that drives me crazy like no one's covered Ivan and I'm like dude he's been on like do you have his, do you have yeah his I'll call him right now and get him like, <laughs> <laughs> do it live no, but uh I want to have him on yeah he's yeah. he's bad at it and he's real cool and he's got this voice that I just want him to narrate everything just got this like hello my <laughs> name is Ivan. And it's like it's so deep and just like they're just like wow like i listen to him and i'm like i just feel better <laughs> so yeah man there's a lot of cool stuff there is yeah and thank you for putting a light on it yeah absolutely thank so. you for being here and thank you for uh adding me to your your uh press and i appreciate it yeah you bet man this is fun yeah, this is fun yeah. um i definitely want to have you back yeah so. you bet let me know yeah all right. all right i don't know if the listeners will but we'll try to keep <laughs> it short next time no. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> All right. Thank you for being right. here. Yeah, you bet. <laughs>